Um, yeah, I found what I thought was yeah one clear connection to Finnegan's Wake. Where he talks about a coach and six, and that's described that that's one metaphor of how Finnegan's Wake describes itself. Um, a what now? A coach and six. Yeah, this is on page one forty three. Um, so it's just a weird, unless that was a, uh, unless unless that was just a common um, coach of six passengers or whatever, but uh, um, which it, it might be, it might be just a common like a a common metaphor. Coach and six horses. Yeah, a coach and six to go to or mantua makers. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, so it might be different, like, uh, but I thought I thought it could be a link to that. Like, I'm sure he's he's got to have been reading Joyce Pynchon. Oh yeah, I feel like it's sort of almost like a like him reaching back into time and like it, like trying to like write something that Benjamin Franklin would understand or like. I mean, worthy of Benjamin Franklin or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. If you know what I mean. I don't, uh, it's uh, an immense, an immense book. Um, what, yeah, wasn't there like some famous discussion about classifying this book as uh, like 18th century literature? <laughs> I, I, I saw that too. And I don't know if that was just someone... Joking around to yeah, or if that's real or not. I, uh, yeah, I, I want to believe it, but I'm not certain that I can believe it. Yeah, 142 is where they talk about. Um, it's interesting. I have practiced its elements from various quarter decks in all conditions, from close reef to becalmed my zero meridian, not upon Greenwich nor Paris. But a certain Himalayan observatory in Tibet, the book of tables I consult being reduced from observations made there by the celebrated Dr. Zhang, then as now in exile. Um, these are not lunars nor Galileans, I'm not sure what that, nor yet Galileans, but based upon the very slow progress of what is undoubtedly a planet, though no one else has claimed to have seen it near uh gemini gem geminorum um this is like so, a planet x or yeah or maybe it's uranus or yeah the, like, um but but it's weird dr zhang i didn't notice that when i read through it like he appears earlier on in the book well, he's interesting in that okay so we didn't talk about the the ghastly fop series at all so there's yeah. timothy talks and then there's the ghastly fop series and they're kind of happening like to the characters in the tale, but then at some point we enter into that tale ourselves. So there is that weird, um, uh, what is, you know, it's like a abduction story. Like you're reading along and then all of a sudden there's this ab- abduction story and you're like, what's going on? And then it turns out um, Tenebrae, and you know everyone's gone to bed except Tenebrae and I don't know Elthimer, if it's Elthimer. Eth- Eth- are yeah. reading the naughty book together in the bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. The, the kissing cousins. Yeah. Um, so, 
But then later, those characters end up on the line with Mason and Dixon. So, like, you know, they're in the ghastly fop. <laughs> but they're yeah, that's in... <laughs> where that's where Doctor Doctor Zhang comes from. Is, is right, right. Somehow he comes out. Well, there's she was one of the uh, brides of Jesus, like this weird <laughs> Jesuit concubine, right? Like mm. they're seducing the Chinamen with these uh, frontier ladies. The abducted, oh, yeah. <laughs> the brides of Christ, <laughs> and then maybe the remember because I think was it Zhang fights the Wolf of Jesus, this Jesuit master who's chasing him. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. But it turns out maybe it's himself. You know, it's like who is the Wolf of Jesus? Is he here? <laughs> you had you had you had the sense that it was himself. It it, it seems like. Because there was all this, uh, yeah, I don't. He he intimated that maybe he was the wolf of Jesus for a second. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But then she, I think her. I don't remember what her name was. This uh, one of the the one because she. It seemed like there was going to be this romantic affair bet- between Zhang and and this this uh, captor, and she has a name too. There's so many different little like nuggets in there. Like we could just go through and talk about every every one. Yeah, um, uh, but we don't have to. I'm just. <laughs> yeah, we could talk about Stig. Yeah. Stig the axe man. <laughs> was he? Or was he like this strange northern creature? You know, yeah, was, was... <laughs> was he from was he from the Hollow Earth? Yeah. yeah. Yankle um... Yangle. <laughs> um, oh yeah, and then they talk about the the lamp the Lampton worm. Oh the, which is, that was which a, is good a real one. story. It's a yeah. real story too, like uh And so then, yeah, this... go ahead, go ahead. Uh, ghostly fab. Okay, Which just... became a weekly by the time, so it was like a a serial when the boys were young, you know, Mason's boys. The the ending of this book was so good. It just, I don't know, it just ends and it's like, it's so emotional at the end. It feels uh, like, whoa. I mean, that the ending sort of reminds me of... Um, Don Quixote too, like that kind of deep melancholy at the end of uh, Don Quixote, where the kind of, where where his sort of fantasy is sort of destroyed, you know. Yeah. At the end, but the but still something continues on, you know. Like, the, well, it's is it the idea of America? It's it's the dream where like the fish jump in your arms and you know it's always an adventure. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the magical Indians. And... Yeah. Uh, um, uh, the eleven days thing. Um, I don't know if we really talked about it. We probably have four, but that you know, there are eleven day missing days in September. So it, you know, that's September eleventh. It's yeah. It and so it. here in this on page five fifty five, they say. Um, Mason, for a while, had presumed it but a matter of confusing dates, which are names, with days, which are real things. 
Yet for anyone he met born before 52 and alive after it, the missing 11 days arose again and again in conversation, sooner or later characterized as brute absence or a tear through the fabric of life. And the more he wrestled with the question, the more the advantage shifted toward a belief, as he would tell Dixon one day, in a slowly rotating loop, or if you like, vortex of 11 days tangent to the linear path of what we imagine as ordinary time, but excluded from it and repeating itself without end. Hmm, the same 11 days over and over. That's what they're saying? Yeah. Um, why then, as it is a periodic rotation, so must it carry, mustn't it, a vis centrifuga that might, with some ingenuity, be detected? perhaps by finding in the realm of time where the loop tries either to increase or decrease its circumference and hence the apparent length of each day in it. Dixon, everything rotates. So a vortices. So it's like the Vallis loop, you know, or, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But the, yeah, the 11 days in September are a tear through the fabric of life. And I just have to wonder if those two things are connected, like September 11th and ritual and, uh, this the the crossing over of time, you know, which kind of is all what Mark Leclerc's whole trip was about regarding nine eleven. I and heard, and, and it, it comes in in Bleeding Edge as well, right? Like yeah, that's what that yeah. book is about too. True. Yeah. So I heard something really. I don't know. I didn't research it, but it's interesting. Um, so you know, this submersible just imploded underwater. <laughs> the Titan. The Titan. The Titan. Yeah. What yeah. a story. Yeah. But uh, apparently when James Cameron was going to the Titanic for the first time in his own submersible, yeah. He did it on 9/11. <laughs> right. He came back it's, up and and 9/11 had happened. And Bill Paxton, it's on video. Bill Paxton is t- telling him what's going on. That is that true? Yeah. Is it and his name is Paxton, like the Paxton boys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> No, well, but uh, why would Bill Paxton be with him? So, because Titanic, the movie, came out... In 97, same year as this book. 96. Um, I think it was 96. 97. It was December sure? 97, yeah. No way. Let's look that up. It was, believe, it was, because yeah. I, I saw it in... Um, I saw it when I was in Bangkok, living in Bangkok, so... Nice. Did any of you see it in 3D recently? No. It was actually awesome. It was 97. Crikey. So, yeah, I was James Cameron is such a weirdo. But anyway, yeah. He, he really is. Like, the, his obsessions are bizarre. But he's interesting. He makes he's like he makes interesting stuff. But I don't know if it's good, but it's interesting. So, so Alex, have you looked into the... Um, I, was, I was just wondering about this. The days... Um, Sinking of the Titanic to the beginning of World War One, right? Compared to the sinking of the Titan and blah blah blah, <laughs> what comes up? You, know, like <laughs> oh, uh, you mean like upcoming war? Yeah, like if 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 it's the same amount of time, like uh, so it it was 1912, right? 1912, it sank. Yeah, so is that two years. Yeah, so it's a couple of years, yeah. You're talking about, so the, do you want, I mean, how do you define when it starts? Like, um, Well, World War I starts at, a, they, 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 uh, it's it's dated, right? Like there's a... Uh, okay, so July 28th, 1914, Austria-Hungary declares war on Serbia? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, it's um, I got it. It's September twenty-first. So yeah, okay. So it's it's a, a one hundred and nineteen weeks, eleven nine, huh. um, and one day. But actually, I want to go from the when was Franz Ferdinand murdered? An ass assassinate. <laughs> Assinated. Assinated. <laughs> <laughs> that was before. <laughs> that was the night before. Six twenty-eight month before. So okay, that's gonna be different. But you're you're trying to forecast like ahead. Well, who knows? I hope not. But uh, but it, yeah, it's hard to say. Like if <laughs> maybe World War Three has already started. You know, well, so yeah, if we're thinking about solar or. Uh, astrological importance it feels like there's this x being uh, there's two eclipses coming up in really quick fashion so there's an annular and a solar eclipse that's happening like in 23 and 24 yeah the great american eclipse that stuff yeah yeah it crosses over like it we had it in 2017 and then the next one's coming up in 2024, and they're gonna. There's a point at which their pathways like cross. cross. And, and yes, United, but isn't isn't this also like uh, the the Pluto return for the states as well? Isn't that? Yeah, I, that that peaked in like this February, I think, but or maybe it's coming up. I can't remember. Right. But but absolutely, yeah, we're in the middle. And then of and then and then and that 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 happened during the revolution too, right? Yes. Well, I guess it did. That's the birth of America, right? Like, so we didn't so. mention that, but he definitely was winking that this was the '60s, you know, in this book. Like it was, uh, it was the '60s, you know, like it was this revolutionary time. 1760s, yeah. Oh, yeah, and because like there was a section where there was a breakout and Tenebrae was playing, um, the the newest musical craze, and it was in, in B flat minor or something. And then um, he was, Pynchon was making jokes, you know, like uh, it, there was rock and roll, you know, because it was like uh, ocean going music or something. And the, the boys said, surf music. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like he was definitely, there were, and there was a lot of gags too. Like um, there was a Star Trek reference, <laughs> like a live long and prosperous. Oh, live long and prosperous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then like you were saying the ketchup and the pizza was um yeah. like these kind of anachronistic things that were fun. Oh, and then and then how uh Thomas Jefferson steals the pursuit of happiness from Dixon. <laughs> he owns that from Dixon. Oh. Yeah, that's 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 interesting though. It is the sixties as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, it was the revolution, you know, le- revolutionary mm-hmm. time period. Yeah, you can tell that's that's always where Pynchon's mind is at, right? Like the, those are his formative years. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's hard to escape your formative years. He's an old hippie. Yeah. Oh yeah, I I I think I don't know if I. Um, a late a late beat maybe. Right. Yeah. There was I saw this tweet where someone was uh, showing where. Yeah, I did take it where he wrote one of the books he wrote. It's like um, it looked like the place where uh, 
inherent vice took place, but apparently that's where he wrote Gravity's Rainbow. And it's like, what? That doesn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) I think I remember actually Terrence McKenna in one of his lectures references this book. And he references a part that I never got to, sadly, but maybe remember where he, but he mentions that people are like, electricity is like a drug that people are like electrocuting themselves. Um, Oh yeah, for, for kicks basically. Uh, Dixon does that, does that. Yeah. Yeah, Dixon, Dixon. does that. Yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah, yeah. With with um Franklin, with right? Franklin. Yeah. <laughs> line of fops, line of fops. All grab hands. Line of fops. <laughs> nice. So, so like uh, it's like the kite thing, or like the yeah. string up a kite, and then they all yeah. get li- okay. Interesting. So like last time I was telling Zenor that I listened to Zanoni and it was like the worst audiobook I've ever listened to. Oh yeah, I, I, I heard a bit of it on YouTube. It was terrible. Yeah. But this one was very good. Like this was a very good, well done audiobook. The guy really did a nice job with the voices. And so it's I've done this before, but it it definitely some of these books that are really conversational, it's almost like cheating when he does some of the work for you. And like so some of those contractions that you have to get used to with your eyes, Sonor, Mm -hmm. I don't you know, if you listen to it, it's you know, it's just the word. I don't see how it's written. I mean, but that's a it's too bad like that's a huge part of it well know, it is just, no it um, is like no. so the it there's an artistry with the actual way that it's written like yeah. house of leaves was that way too yeah like even um even dixon always trailing with a what like three three dots and, a, and a, like a sort of an ellipsis and, a, and then a, a question mark at the end just to just to sort of indicate his accent, you know, like he's always he's always sort of up talking or something like the weird Geordie accent at the end. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, and uh, just a sense like when you capitalize nouns like that, um, and that when you read Blake or other poets of that time, he does that as well. He capitalizes all these nouns, and then you get a you, you get the sense of of these things actually existing as uh, like not just like he'll talk about whatever tools or whatever any any sort of noun or abstract nouns or whatever and you get a sense of of them um, existing as entities almost you know as a, as a, as a sort of um, independent things you know like as as sort of sentient things. Um, mm. So I, I kind of I kind of like that that style. Never underestimate objects. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that that's in um, uh, Infinite Jest also, right? Like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, did you was your copy a paperback or a hardback? Mine's hard, hard copy. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, I found a first edition um, at the thrift store. That's the one I've been reading. It's a hardback. I found a first edition, this, and, and a first U.S. edition, Ulysses, at a thrift store. First the same US day. Ed- yeah. Oh, wow. That's great. From, like, 34. 
Oh, that's that's amazing. It's, it's not in terrible. Like it's readable. It's pretty pretty. But anyway, yeah, I've had some. I had a really good luck actually. Too again with another book where uh, with a t- it's actually I went to go this local store. This has nothing to do with pension, but maybe it does. Um, because I've been the movie Hunt for Red October. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. Um, based on the Tom Clancy book, which was the first Tom Clancy novel ever published. And uh, so, anyways, at the store, I was like, well, I should get the get a copy of the book, just maybe so I could have it. And I go look in the section. It's a whole wall of Tom Clancy books. And I can't find it, but then I keep looking. Eventually, I pull one. There's a tiny hardback volume version of it. It comes out. I open it. It's a first edition, second printing, Hunt for October. And it's signed and inscribed by Tom Clancy. Uh, <laughs> dated 11-16-84, which is just a few weeks after it came out. It's also my birthday, 11-16. Huh. So that's like... That's quite a find, actually. Um, I was just yeah. blown away at synchronicity of that because, like, I know I'm really deep uh, into that movie. You have no idea. Use use bookstores are like they're like the last magic yeah, space. Like, yeah, yeah <laughs> just like a, anything could happen there. That's why that's why Amazon is such an evil force in the world. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. but I I don't know. Again, it's like. Used bookstores are popping up all over the place now. Like in my yeah. hometown back in uh, Canada, there's massive used bookstore. It's like uh, looking forward to going going to to visit it when I go back this summer. Totally. Yeah. But yeah, anything anything can happen at a used bookstore. Little yeah. weird notes, like marginal notes. And where do you um where you're going? Where do you go when you come to Canada? Um, basically northern Ontario. Okay. I see. Not real north, but yeah. I'm in pretty. I'm we'll, pretty north. Um, like we'll we'll fly into Toronto. I see. Okay. Mm. Yeah, we heard that maybe you were moving to North Idaho for a while. Maybe that's not you. Are you talking not, about me? Yeah. I did. I live in North Idaho. You do. I grew up in North Idaho. Whereabouts? The Silver Valley. Okay. It, between Wallace and Kellogg and a little place called Osborne. Gotcha. Osborne. Osborne. I got burned by Oz. Yep. Oh. <laughs> we, all got, we all got burned by Oz. Yeah, big time. <laughs> and then we get Oswald. I don't know. Oswald. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh. Yeah, I don't know. Is there any uh, anything we big that we missed? I'm sure there is. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I'm surprised there's not more. I don't know the scholarly writing about this one. There is. Yeah, some... I'm surprised too. Like, yeah, it's only like. Like one big book put out about it, it's like that that I could find. I've seen, yeah, a couple, but one is just about it, and the other one is just about like Pynchon's whole body of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as usual, people don't uh, 
it's over their heads that even it could, like lots of people love pinch. I mean, you're right. Everybody talks about gravity's rainbow. Every talks about. But um, I remember it in the bookstore, like going to Barnes and Noble and holding it and looking at it and wondering about it because it was so big. You know, like this is the same time that I'm buying Dib Foster Wallace. And I'm sorry that I'm going to the Barnes and Noble, but that was so was what I did back then. Of course, yeah. Borders. Or, I got my Infinite Jest at Borders. Yeah. But, like, if I would have purchased that, I, I don't even know what I would have done with it. Like, I know I would have moved it around for a while, but, like, <laughs> could I have done anything with it? With Mason Dixon? Yeah, I just don't right. know. If, yeah. I know that I read into Ulysses one summer, and then it's like, yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on here. <laughs> Schizophrenic. Yeah, I read, um, I don't know, I tried to read uh, Gravity's Rainbow ages ago and and could hardly get a bit into it, you know. Yeah. Um, um, but. I did all of that one summer and I appreciated parts and other parts I didn't really, like, I think I I could intuit, like, logically I wasn't following, but there was something happening there that was pretty interesting. And so I, I need to do it again at some point. Did we do that one? I thought we, we did never, that one. We didn't do we did, that one. We didn't. Oh. Yeah, I, I mean, I read it again uh, just a few years back. but Because uh, um, I remember I was reading it and I kind of talking to you about it. Yeah, yeah, and I thought you read it too at the time, but no, I guess not. But. No, no, I did, I did. That's that's when I was reading it. Like the the first time okay. I tried to read it was the in the like in the early nineties, right? Right. And then I couldn't, I could, I could hardly get through it, any part of it. And but then I just, I don't know when that was. Just might have been like ten years ago now. We must have. Uh, uh, I think we had a conversation about it. Yeah. At the time, and that's what I'm confusing for a podcast. It was interesting because after we did, like I, like really bottomed out in David Foster Wallace, like maybe it was two years ago, but like I I went back and reread Infinite Jest and like just went so fast. I blasted through it, and then I, I did um, the Pale King at the same time too. Oh wow. And that just made me sad because I could tell that we basically were holding like one third of the Pale King. Like, uh, you know, like there was so yeah. much potential, but there was just it didn't go anywhere. And so it's like this is just this is just like a third of what is supposed to be here. Yeah. Although the original th- he's like, it's all about a plot that doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> it's like that's sort of true to his thing. But I picked up. um they put a version out of just chapter 22, which is the long one about uh, the guy and his da- and his dad, who, his dad who dies in a train in the subway, gets hit by a train, and it's like a novella, and that's like one of his best pieces of writing. Hmm. Um, they gave it the title something to do with paying attention, which is not a good title, but um, yeah, I recommend that. Yeah. One. I mean, I but love I think, the Pale King, but it's so... So he, Oblivion and the Pale King were written simultaneously, and so they do yeah. talk to each other. These di- And so I was going through that, too. Yeah, I kind of wish that he... Um, Didn't kill uh, himself? 
<laughs> yeah, you know. But um, well, Oblivion is kind of the condensation of the Pale King. Like I think everything he was trying to say with the Pale King, he pretty much said in Oblivion. And like, but he kept going with the Pale King. It was like, oh, we gotta do this. I gotta, I gotta finish this. And that, well, I think it drove him a little crazy. But so, like, he he thought of it as the big thing, and so even though, like, I just I don't think my feeling is that it's not it's not done. And then the other thing that yeah, was the, the consideration is like they talk about all the cuts that he made out of Infinite Jest, right? And that he really didn't make any cuts out of Infinite Jest. Well, yeah, he, he did. Think, I mean, yeah, if you can read, read, you can read the. The guy who who read the first the first draft or the first oh know. well I talked to him and I think he <laughs> 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 I I don't I I think maybe there are some things that are cut but like I think I did some snooping to to read between the lines to see if there was any anything else to be gained and there's very little. Hmm. You mean from like the stuff that they that he cut like yeah like. Okay. Just so that you could know, like, so that one is that kind of thing that could be spoiled. Like, can you find the answer out? Is it there? Is it possible to know what really happened? And and even though it's written in such a way that he tricks you into thinking that, yes, if you read closely enough, you can find the answer. And he even said that. <laughs> if you yeah. didn't get that. You know, if you if you didn't get that ending, then the book has failed you, and it's like, oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> what what is the? Um, I'm forgetting what is the uh, sort of the geometric figure that he said it was based on. The oh, yeah. uh, Serpinski gasket. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> gasket, which has anyone actually explained how that fits into the text? Like, um, I, is it a fractal thing? The it's a triangular fractal pattern of triangles. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not. I have not kept up to date with all this Wallace scholarship. I think there's a ton out there that. So well, maybe. But. And maybe that's why I was thinking about that. So like you can see the people that do create, like the the things that people are writing about, like and what people are interested in and it's just amazing to me that this book is not one that that people have discovered necessarily like mm-hmm. i'm seeing people still r- reading gravity's rainbow and, yeah it's know, hip it's cool it's uh yeah and it always will be it's got a kind of uh it's got the 60s kind of yeah. counter revolutionary kind of ethos this is the work of a of a mature individual, <laughs> like a, something you read late in life, later in life, then maybe it'll just discover it. Maybe this podcast will help. <laughs> they Should, always do. Well, people that listen. Or... <laughs> yeah, I think like um, with um, with William Gass too, and we had that conversation. Like, there's hardly anything on on Gas. Well, there is there is some right, but I thought I thought our conversation went deeper than the stuff I read about it. <laughs> you know, that's one that I really still like. It just really 
sat with me. Something about like the time and how well that is written. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's kind of a disturbing book. Like that's it's a difference. I I read that somewhere too about um, Pynchon and this book compared to other books that are being put out around the same time, like Infinite Jest and maybe Gas and others, that this book is not um, depressing at all. You know, like maybe it's melancholy at the end. It gets sad at the end, but sad in a sort of good good way in a way. It's it's like end of life sadness, like end of end of the cycle of life sadness. It's not a it's not a depression, you know. Yeah. Um, so it kind of sets it apart from from other books at that time. Like the, this book mm. is just like it's a laugh out loud book all the way through, you know. It's not, and it's not a, um, it's not a, it's not in a sarcastic way too. Like it would it would be like like David Foster Wallace saying it's it's sincere, you know. It's, it's like, some, yeah. Well, they eventually turn everything into a movie or a TV show, so I'm sure it, it'll get its time. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I mean, he's notoriously like fickle about adaptations, and so I keep hearing rumblings of a pension adaptation doing him doing somebody doing Crying of Lot Forty Nine, maybe. That would be possible. I'd like to see Bleeding Edge. Yeah, that's maybe a bit too controversial. Mm. Maybe. Did anyone watch the DeLillo film? Yeah, I did. Is it pretty good? Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot, actually. Um, Is that that one's called White Noise? Yeah, White Noise. Yeah, White Noise. Which, uh, you know, prefigured the train derailment in in East Palestine and all that sink storm. So now that we're thinking about this... uh, Underworld, Underworld came out about the same time as yep. this. Yeah, like, same year. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, and that feels like a mature book, also. Yeah, they're pretty much of the same generation, and it seems like they both published their masterworks the same time, basically. Yeah, because everything since then, well, I guess in, against the day, but everything Delillo's done since then has been kind of slight in comparison. Let's see. Okay, so this is what <laughs> January two thousand three. That's not right. Let's go to this hardback and look at that. June. No, that's not right either. Oh, Vineland. So there was a story that Paul Thomas Anderson might be trying to do Vineland. I'm going to have to give Vineland another shot. So, like, we were, after we did Overstory, I was still wanting to read about trees. And so I thought, well, maybe Vineland is what I should read. But it was too zany for me at the time. It was, like, so zany. Yeah. Like with the names and the you know the the kind of thing the character was doing. It was more like inherent vice than and maybe um 
the 49, lot 49. Right. But yeah, this one kind of encompasses all those facets of his style. It does. It's zany, but sweet and heartfelt. But it, it contends with some really important and disturbing things. Yeah. The fundamental workings of the modern world are examined and mapped in a way. Well, our own sins, you know, we're having it. So that's interesting because that by the end, Mason and Dixon aren't American, but they're not British anymore. So that, you know, they're talking about extending their visto over the, the water. And cr- creating, I think Snor snuck off. I'm here. Oh, <laughs> uh. creating. They, so they were extending their visto over the water and and creating their own new place. Right. With inns and taverns springing up. Cyberspace. And they were actually going to make money for a change, yeah. like. Yeah, inns and taverns springing up on the Atlantic Ocean. You know, like just um, little buoys that they would set up and sort of island communities <laughs> going across. Well, and they didn't need the longitudes anymore because they would have this system of lanterns that the ships could navigate this uh, transatlantic highway, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's, the, it's cyberspace. It's the, 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 that's the new frontier, I guess. Well, they already they already talking about the Jesuit network, the, the Jesuit, Jesuit telescope, the Jesuit uh, telegraph, yeah, telegraph, yeah. right? And they were somehow utilizing the uh, the Northern Lights, yeah, to send information, <laughs> which <laughs> I know that the Jesuits had like a really good letter writing. Network. Well, this is all. Um, What's the post what office? You know, it's the postal. Like the the, the turn in taxis, right? Yeah. The taxis. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically the same. Like turn in taxis, I think, is uh, Catholic, Jesuit based too. Um, I'll look that up, but it was it was out of uh, Austria. But there's a director of uh, obscure B movies in the 40s, 50s, and uh, his name is Alexis Stern Taxis. <laughs> and I remember reading that saying Alex is Stern and Taxis. I was like, well, am I part of the am I part of the, the network? And I don't even know it. <laughs> Yes. The answer is yes. Sorry, it's a schizo comment. Schizochronic. Yeah, there's a, yeah, schizochronic is in there. Um, oh, I but, heard the word syncope, or like, so uh, who who's Nolan is the one who calls his um, movie production company syncope. Right. Yeah. 
Where, I wonder if I could find that. Have uh, Nor have you ever read any uh, Jersey Kaczynski? No. All right. I don't. Yeah. What's the name? How oh, K O S I N S K I, and then Jersey is J E R Z Y. He's like a Polish um, Polish writer. Um, wrote the Painted Bird and Being There which was made into a movie with Peter Sellers and a bunch of other stuff. Kind of a controversial figure because he was like kind of a kind of a con man of sorts and uh, mm-hmm. was accused of, uh, alternately accused of working for the CIA and plagiarizing, being a plagiarist and propagandist. And so he's kind of, then he wound up killing himself in a bathtub, supposedly. Huh. But uh, I just started kind of getting into his these books and they're very interesting uh, um, painted bird is quite quite a thing <laughs> i think um yates has a weird novel that's really hard to find called the painted bird really um yeah i've seen this actually uh or something like that, the painted. Hmm. Um, it's sort of like a Holocaust. It's sort of like a Holocaust narrative, but it's it's not really explicitly. It's just like a little boy gets separated from his family during that time and is wandering the Polish countryside and just being subjected to these just abject horrors and seeing these horrible things. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's got the whiff of, uh, it's sort of almost like a, a Salinger kind of feel to it. Mm. Like mm. to the starkness of the prose and, but uh, I don't know. I think his one of his books might be worth looking at for the book club. Maybe being there even would be cool. fun to read. Yeah. I was looking at Syncope and I missed this whole exchange. Who are we talking about? Oh, Jerzy Kaczynski. I don't know. We're just going to have to rewind and listen to <laughs> oh. I, I know. I've, I've got him. Here he is. <laughs> he, oh, yeah, the, he, uh, no, the Yates book is called The Speckled Bird, which is not the same. But, uh, there may be a cool uh, Oh, maybe being so cool. there, the painted bird. I see how we got here. Yes. Yeah. Like, I watched this documentary about, the guy, about him after which was aired like after he died and uh it's like all of a sudden there's you know Zbigniew Zbigniew Brzezinski you know that guy sure suddenly he's being interviewed you know as Jersey Kaczynski's buddy and this is like huh he's talking about Jesuit like these are these are oh yeah yeah this is all 
What uh, Brzezinski wrote, Between Two Ages, right? Like right, eight, yeah, exactly. Just, uh, it, the Grand Chessboard. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, Between Two Ages is all about the Great Reset way before it was ever called that. You know? Yeah, yeah. We're basically following his plan, it seems. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing, though. He, he, Kaczynski is like, I guess he was Jewish, but then he was raised Roman Catholic. And... Brzezinski's also Roman Catholic, so there's this like sort of Roman Catholic connection um, to his work. And some people say that it's like, you know, propaganda hmm. in a way. Or he's been accused of that, which is just interesting, the accusation is. So. I know. I, I, that, doesn't, that doesn't turn me off of a book if I hear that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's the opposite. It makes it even <laughs> more important to read. It's like, <laughs> well, is it wouldn't a great American novel be propaganda? Maybe I don't know. Sure, yeah, kind of. That's the word. Um. So, Alex, what do you think of Kennedy? Speaking of uh, controversial Catholics, Robert Robert F. Kennedy, Jr. Yeah, Jr. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, I love the guy. I've been a big fan of his for a while. Uh, I think it's awesome. Uh, you know, I still have my reservations because I don't know. The key, these Kennedys always seem to—they embody a certain role, you know. Like, yeah. And I wonder if how much of it's part of the how much he's being used to purposes beyond his own, even maybe you're imagining. Yeah, yeah, about. I wonder about that too, right? Um, but I mean, if if the if the presidency came down to Kennedy and Trump, like that would be amazing. I don't know. I mean, the, yeah, there'd be so much more, uh, so much more um, acceptable in in debate. You know, like I can't the, even the imagine sort of range this. range of debate would be so much more widened. You know. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, there couldn't be more different in terms of the way they communicate like Kennedy's just like full facts, 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 facts and studies and citations. And Trump is just, he just pulls everything out of his ass, even though, (laughs) you know, most of it's, it's usually true. I mean, it's usually on point, but it doesn't sound very good. He's more like a minister where he can just talk. Like, or I, you know, like someone who talks for a stand up comedian or Gemini. Someone who could just trump the Gemini. I guess that's why um, Manly P. Hall, you know, was so good. It's because he could just go in front of a room of people and then talk about Atlantis for, you know, hours. Right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Not a skill I, I'm blessed with. I kind of, I, I kind of wonder about uh, Cornell West entering the race. You know. Like what? What's the point? Like I, I don't know. I I like him, you know. I've always liked Cornell West, you know. I continue to like him, but I wonder, like, what what role is he playing? You know, it's it's kind of like mm-hmm. it's like left interference um, to to Kennedy, you know. Yeah. Like, well, didn't he 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 announced before Kennedy did? I think. Like, I don't think so. He just he just recently yeah. announced on the Russell Brand's show, right? Like, oh. Yeah, probably just for his own, you know, building his own mythos. 
I don't like he. I I don't know if he would have to do that. You know, like he's kind of he's kind of making weird. Well, not weird attacks, like legitimate attacks on Kennedy, like Kennedy's position on uh, oh, is he? on his Israel, for example, right? Which is okay. I think that's an. He's criticizing for his yeah, me too. Um, but uh, he's so clearly bending. But he's, but he's he... not. He's not um, criticizing Biden for the same thing, you know. It's like why not? Mm, yeah. Why not attack Biden more? You know, it's like a. There is a. I mean, there's a contingent of the left who who do seem to irrationally hate the hate the Kennedys and and take every opportunity to kind of say well you know they were aren't they're not that great you know Kennedy JFK wasn't really anti-war or whatever and kind of dissembling from the whole point of like who killed him why mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, etc so yeah maybe West is 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 one of these types that just I don't know. I don't know. It, it's it's hard to tell at this point what what's what's his role in this. But it's too bad. Like it would be it'd be interesting to have both of them together. You know, like it's True. kind of like a, it's kind of like RFK and and MLK coming together. That'd you be know? cool. Yeah, I mean that could uh, work. VP Cornell West. Yeah, but uh, it doesn't seem like. I think Kennedy would be open to that. You know. Maybe sure, it's yeah, a, probably, but it doesn't it doesn't seem like on the other side. There's there's also a part of me that um, thinks Kennedy is because I st- there's still a part of me that has faith that Trump is like the white knight, you know, <laughs> that <laughs> like QAnon and is uh, trust the plan, all that shit. So I'm like, okay, so Ken- but Kennedy comes in the race. It's like, but I love him, so he's div- he's going to divide a spoiler for Trump and actually cause it to go to Biden or, or whoever. But I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. I've never had that kind of faith in Trump, so I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I know. I know. I don't, I have, I don't apologize for it, but <laughs> maybe I should. But, 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 you know, I'm like looking at all this, like, crypto K kind of numerological data surrounding Trump. And it's like, it's sort of like in the matrix when Neo looks at, sees um, the, the Oracle or whatever, when he has the power to like see through the coding and they're like glowing, like these yellow golden glowing energy beings. It's like, that's what I see when I look at Trump. It's like, just something off about this guy, like something different. This is like, this is like a Benjamin Franklin kind of, <laughs> A uh, guy that just comes in from out of nowhere. Um, whereas Kennedy is more down to earth, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Kennedy's the man, really. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, he's. I remember him. Even um, we we're trying to stop clear cut logging in um, Vancouver Island, right? In the in the nineties, and he was involved in that, you know. So, yeah, mm. he's like a real environmentalist, right? Yeah, kind of don't yeah. really exist anymore. I mean, yeah, he didn't get um, he didn't get totally sidetracked by the the kind of global warming mm-hmm. mono issue, you know? Yep, carbon neutral. Yeah, 
carbon, carbon taxes and stuff. Yeah. yeah, he's always been quick to call that stuff out. And he, and he calls himself free market too, which is interesting. Like he, he makes that distinction between free market and capitalism, which I think, mm-hmm. I think people on the left should <laughs> catch on to that, you know, Definitely. that's, that's part of their tradition as well. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of a neglected side of it, but, but totally. they, don't, they don't see it, you know, like the, like, the, like this book, Mason and Dixon, it's kind of like, this is pure capitalism, right? Like it's, that's yeah. what it's talking about. It's like, state privileged markets right um starting colonial empires that's what capitalism is you know um, but it's not it's not the free market you know it's like it's it's the eradication of the free market um, and so and, and that's what kennedy's talking about it's like in all these all these environmental struggles that he was involved in he he realized that it's like it's not it's not state regulate more state regulations that's going to stop these environmental atrocities from happening. It's it's like mm-hmm. getting rid of the state privileges that already exist in the economy that that uh, that benefit these massive corporations. Yeah, hundred percent, right? absolutely. Yeah. So it's but but yeah, it's I don't know. It's like the state of the left is there hardly is a left. No, there isn't. There really isn't. <laughs> It's getting bad out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought is that um, whatever Kennedy does, um, I was hoping that he would kind of change the discourse on the left. Right? Exactly. I hope. I think he is. I mean, he's definitely trying. Yeah. But I don't know. I think they'll find a way to sideswipe him somehow. Like, I, I think that's why he's so um, wary of talking any shit about Israel because he knows he's going to get oh, yeah. Corbin. You know, he's, 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 mm-hmm. he's, he's they're just going to turn him into Jeremy Corbin Automatic or disqualification or whatever. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, right. He's an anti semite or like, but they might get him, like, I don't know, they might do that with trans or whatever, you know, like a, um, yeah. Um, He's well. He's he's got he's got women issues, right? That all that are coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, his wife committed suicide or something like that, which is yeah after his philandering. But. Right. <laughs> the Kennedys, they're Kennedys, you know. That's what yeah. we we love them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, people from Europe or Part whatever, like, what, like what? Why do you care about this? You know, it's like, exactly. <laughs> Americans are still puritanical. Is Doug still there? I'm still know. here. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, this this all kind of ties in. Like, even like, it does seem sort of like uh, directly a uh, a throwback to the '60s. Like, even even Kennedy bringing up all this stuff about the '60s, about his uncle and his father and what happened and everything else. Um, yeah. Well, we're actually we're in Saturn and Pisces, right? So that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That so was a like a, sixty. I don't know if it was when his dad was killed or not, but yeah, that's where we are now. It's like a re sixty-five to sixty-eight, I think, and then ninety-three to ninety-six. So like, Infinite mm-hmm. Jazz was published and Saturn and Pisces in the nineties, and this came out like right after that ended. So, um, but yeah, now we're in. Now we're in it again. Yeah, that's and, that's. And this whole um, 
submarine that whole stuff. Saturn Saturn return cycle. Right? Yep, yep. Um, the submarine thing is so Saturn and Pisces. It's like uh, Pisces yeah, is the yeah, water. It's like the Titan. Yeah, the, the Titan. titan. Saturn. Like he's the exactly. he's the top Titan, right? Oh, wow. right. That's great. That, Literally that's implode. <laughs> it's insane, isn't it? It's a Mason Dixon <laughs> moment, you know, where yeah everything comes together and you see the transit. Yeah. Oh, this is another thing I was going to talk about the transit, right? Like the, the idea of the sandwich, like the Earl of, Yeah, sandwich. I was going to say the sandwich, the running yeah. joke of the quote sandwich. Yeah. And so the whole book is a sandwich between the, the transits, right? Mm. Which is a midpoint is, is a, you know, apparent thesis or whatever we call it. Like, yeah. And, and 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 then the line, the Mason and Dixon line, is the line across the sun, right? The, mm. the transit. Doug, did you did, did you fall asleep? Or? I didn't fall asleep. I'm thinking about that now. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. <laughs> well, because it's it's interesting because they the sun is important, but they are actually. They're making their calculations on the zenith stars for the area that they're at. Mm, yeah. Right? So the... And then we got a lot of that technology in the book itself. So they're dealing in chains and the chains stretch out and they have to, you know, uh, recalibrate the chains so they're they're not too long. But then if you remember Darby and Cope, um, who are kind of like the anti like the the alternate Mason and Dixon. Um, mm, oh yeah, yeah. They tried to uh, they imitate. They were imp- imposters for some right. of the places, but then uh, um, they had their own system about keeping each other honest as far as like um, messing up. You know, like they pass knots back and forth or something. Oh yeah. But you know, like. They hope that one of them messes up because you know they forget the the scheme that they're actually working with. Both of them do. Yeah, um, but like the the idea of the the plumb lines, like there's a lot of things going on that I could kind of visualize, but not really. Like it would be interesting. I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't be that interesting, but like. Uh, the zenith sector is straight up in the air, and they lie on their back. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're trying to, you know, when this thing, when the arc changes, like over the the line, you know. So they're tracking these things, and that's how they're, and then they do their their math during the day. So it's like, it's it's fascinating. It seems super romantic, but I'm sure it's. It's just work. Yeah. Um, I guess it would like it. I'm just thinking about it more too. It's like uh, like the line from east to west is the path of the sun, right? Um, yeah. And then, they're, and then they're always returning east. And then, but when they do that, they're again, recalibrating and then going back west. But they're going back in time sometimes, it seems like. Yeah. Like moving west is the future mm-hmm. 
And then, like, when they would go back, they would stay with the Harlands, that farm, a lot. And then I feel like they took some of the Harlands on the line, and the wife stayed behind. You know, like, every, like, that farmer was with them for the whole, for the whole thing. But then when, when, when this, when they weren't working, you know, like, one would go north and one would go south, and they would have different adventures separately. Like in New York and Atlanta was it? no no you didn't go that far south uh, yeah. uh what was it uh, Savannah no I can't remember. no not even that far yeah um I'm getting pretty tired y'all I'm probably gonna <laughs> head out um. But well, wanna... so before you we head out, let's let's. Uh, I got one paragraph I want to read as a closing, and then. Okay. Well, but what else? What do you? What do I got? Or what are we gonna say? What am I gonna say? I'm gonna say. I want to ask. Next book. Yeah, Zenora. Does does anyone have any interest in the idea of an album instead of a book? I was. Thinking about that as a way to trick some of the other folks back, oh. because we were having so much fun, you know, talking about David Bowie and Lana Del Rey <laughs> through the. We, yeah, we did about four always records where we were exploring some things, um, and it was it was a fun little little moment. Um, but it could be interesting to treat an album as like a piece of literature that, you know, you would spend that much time with and try and I can't I've never been able to do it very well, but oh, that'd be interesting. Um, could do a pairing like a book and an album. Well, I would I would ultimately do that. Like, right. I would I would read around the album, both, you know, like nonfiction and then maybe even fiction. I see. You know, like uh, like if we did the White Album, I would definitely read Joan Didion's The White Album at the same time. Because mm-hmm. it's the same time period, and yeah. Sure. Um, but, Sonora, what, it's up to you guys, what did you... Are you feeling anything? Uh, no. Well, like I... I asked about Warlock, right? Right. Um, mm. Which is the... Uh, that's the one that Dennis wanted to do, and I I brought it up since then, too. You know, trying to get him back. Did you ever read Warlock, Alex? No, but uh, I heard, I know of it. Yeah, it's supposed, it's supposed to be really good. Like I've heard other people besides Pynchon talking about how good it is. Yeah, and it's sort of. Um, it's not set that far back. Like it's set maybe what in the eighteen hundreds or something. Yeah. No, the town was called Warlock. That's why Tomb, it's called Tombstone. Warlock. Yeah, yeah, Tombstone, Arizona, during the eighteen eighties. I could, Arnash. I could, I could definitely do it. But if Alex was feeling something, you know, like, I'm, well, I haven't even been here, so I don't want to. I mean, it's not as. Uh, I thought it was a shorter book, but it's actually like uh, 470 pages. Yeah, it's pretty thick. But 
shorter than this. Well, the books I was thinking about right after. So, like, if if my head is still in Mason Dixon, like, there's the something really captivating about the the first part at sea, and so like Moby Dick was kind of calling out a little bit. Um, uh, Master and Commander is a good uh, film. <laughs> I was actually watching that, um, and I I meant to. So uh, Pynchon mentions that one of the sailors is named Patrick O'Brien, and he's a good yarn spinner. Uh, that's and, funny. And and I think he's the one who wrote Master and Commander. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, have you ever read The Anatomy of Melancholy, Snore? No, yeah, that's something I've been thinking a lot about too that book i don't have that you know um but uh it's like i don't know it's i mean i it's influenced a lot of people yeah like it's not really a novel right like but but it would be interesting but it's too bad it's not half as big as it is because i think it's like giant yeah but it would be something crazy that i would be willing to attempt if we were ever feeling that masochistic i guess <laughs> yeah that might be a, a spring book when i have lots of time off but then i don't know why i was feeling like the 50s and so i was thinking about like you wanted to read the invisible man for a while i've never read lolita the old man in the sea would be something we haven't done Hemingway. Like books like that were some of the other ones. You know, one that I was thinking about too is in the 90s, everyone was reading Dennis Johnson's uh, short story series, Jesus' Son. Mm-hmm. Have you guys ever uh, read that? No, I, I no. think I've heard of it, but no, I haven't. Well, they turned it into a movie too. And I don't know if the movie's any good. Um, I just know that, like in the '90s, everyone had a copy of Dennis Johnson. I never read it, yeah. and it's not very big. Um, but that would be something that could be interesting too. But like, I'm always trying to like. That's the other thing, Alex. We like to get other people to play. I know. I know. Participation has been been diminishing. And so, you know, sometimes we're thinking about choices that might inspire others to join yeah for sure um this one sucked in alex which is great yeah it sucked it you in <laughs> 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 totally well uh, yeah um i don't know what to say well i'm just asking you you know from uh like no uh ulterior motives here like what are you inspired to read right now anything um yeah my problem is thinking it off i've got a whole stack of books sitting next to me um let me just look and see what's here (laughs) like i just got um marty the melville's book right before moby dick um which is supposed to be like really, really good. Taipei, Taipei, Taipei. Yeah. yeah, it's it comes after Taipei. It's um, oh, it's called Marty, and it's so it's like 
especially like his dry run for Moby Dick, um, whereas his earlier books are like kind of strictly like travel. This one starts to get into like the intense, more intense prose. And this was I got sitting next to me. Um, I got a huge bookshelf. Like Blood Meridian, maybe like. um, uh, Have you read that one? It's another one that I read. I started a long time ago. Never really finished. Well, so um, that's that's the McCarthy that I've been hearing the most. Then there's also Sutri, which is right. kind of like his that's secret. That's the one best that one. you wanted. That's the one that you wanted to read. But I think yeah. so. That's when he still has like elements of the Faulknerian. Yeah. And then by Blood Meridian, I think he really turns into his own weird self. Yeah, the um, Harold Bloom raved about Blood Meridia. It's one of the yeah, it's pretty well acknowledged as a great but, work. I, mean, I wouldn't say that like the one that uh, all the pretty horses is the like what made him famous though. Right. Well, and then the road part, made him like really super oh, yeah. famous. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, but even oh. before that, No Country for Old Men. Like he had. Yeah. He had an early career and a late career. It's just amazing. He's like Aerosmith, you know? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Because, <laughs> like, I've read actually quite a bit of him, but it's, like, so sporadic and over the years. Um, but I would totally be down for Blood Meridian if if you were... Wanting to sign on to that. What about you, Zanar? I'd have to get a copy of it, which... Um, it's a fairly I, short one, mercifully. I'd, I'd almost bet that I could find it at that huge bookstore that I, in, that I talked about in my hometown. Are you going to your hometown? Yeah, I'll be there in the um, beginning of August. Okay. Um, yeah, you... Uh... But that's like that's I, funny that you would say suggested Warlock and then we would do Blood Meridian because it's like I mean uh, we could oh. do more Warlock too I don't know I mean have you got a copy I don't have a copy of Warlock I could mm-hmm. I could get one though you you, yeah. you do yeah yeah it's sitting right here um, I haven't read it I don't I forget when I got this but uh, I mean if you wanted to make like a pinch on leap Warlock would be appropriate because you know he blurbed it or whatever. Um, well, he, but Blood Meridian is topical because Cormac McCarthy just died, so. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, people are reading Cormac McCarthy right now. Movie of that one eventually. Like, um, yeah, Warlock, and we read uh, Farina in the book club, right? Did we read? No, we didn't. Oh, we didn't. Okay, we so we sort of read around it, right? Yeah, I read it. I think anyways, I, don't, y- I forget. Y- like, I think Dennis probably read it too. Like, oh yeah, maybe it was me and Dennis. Like, so he explains, Farina explains that Warlock, uh, he and Pynchon, um, who are really the same used, person. Yeah, <laughs> could be. they they thought they had this this whole sort of Warlock, uh, almost like a secret society when they're when they're back in university together. Right. He started talking talking in the same style as Warlock, which is what. Um, kind of reminded me of it um, with with uh, Mason and Dixon. It's, it it could be that's 
that's one of the reasons why he decided to uh, to write in that kind of old dialect because it seems like Warlock has the same mm. anachronistic style or something. Maybe he and Farina are Mason and Dixon. <laughs> so but, this uh, would be interesting in the so so it's published in the fifties, um, but it's thinking about it's thinking about Tombstone, Arizona, you know, in the what late nineteenth century, eighteen eighties. You know, so like it's 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 that kind of it's the West though. So it's the same it's the same kind of thing that you know pinch it's, it's carrying the line. Right. West. <laughs> it's it's the underpinning of what is what's coming. And Blood Marine, if I'm not mistaken, is sort of like about the death of the West and how like it's become all corrupt corrupted and Texas Mexico border in the 1850s Blood Marie and Taste Chase uh, traces the fortunes of the kid a 14 year old Tennessean who stumbles into a nightmarish world where Indians are being murdered and the market for their scalps is thriving very violent book very violent that's something to consider for audience the kid yeah. pops up in the passenger. You don't know for certain that it's the like the same character, but it likely is a wink at that character. The kid? Are you talking about Chaplin? No, no. I'm sorry. The kid from um, Blood Meridian. So I okay. last winter I read The Passenger for some reason, and I was really like really geeking out on it because of the metaphysical implications that he was thinking about, like science and language, music. And because it, uh, like, one of the characters um, is Oppenheimer in that book, and that film is coming out this summer, I just thought, oh, it, this is, it's a sign. We need to do The Passenger. But well, I'm I'm really into to whatever. Hmm. You know. Sure. So maybe yeah. maybe uh, how about we'll uh, we'll see what you find in August. Okay. And um, if you don't find anything that really calls to you, you know, like if you saw Blood Meridian or The Passenger or something like that, like a Cormac McCarthy. Uh, I mean, Warlock could be a great backup. Okay, I should sort of um, should sort of decide before I go, so I could bring Warlock with me if we are going to oh, choose that. Oh, I see. Um, I, I make the mistake when I travel that I bring too much stuff to read. Never read then, any of it, and then you never read. Yeah. You don't. Think, you just carry it around, and it's like I buy more books, you know, like, and I actually read on those. I think you could bring. I'm gonna say a couple of magazines, and that is it. I think I'd I'd, I'd bring one book to read, because yeah, I've got a lot of uh, I've got a lot of books at home too. 
This sounds good. I'm looking through uh, Blood Meridian. It looks really interesting. Well, do you want to tentatively say that's it? Okay. I think I could find it somewhere. It's a pretty popular. I mean, it's pretty well easily yeah. found. It's the number one bestseller in Westerns right now. Maybe you wouldn't be able to find it in a used bookstore. Right. Yeah. I mean, everybody buying already. Yeah. You'd have to buy a paperback. Um, well, I could look. I, I could look here for it too. It's, it's but they're like ten bucks it. new. Hmm. Yeah, you could look in in there. Yeah. All right, you were gonna read something. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's all right. <laughs> yeah. I'm so self-serving. I just uh. It's good to get things nailed down. Well, it's funny because last winter I I actually had I never do this, but like when we talk when I talk to some of the reader guys, you know, like you know I've talked to them over the years. It seems like when they go on a tear, they read everything. They start at the beginning and they just in order read everything that the person has written. Mm-hmm. And I just can't do it that way because it's tough. I'm I'm trying. I'm more interested not in his life moment, but my moment. And so I'm more interested in in where, like, I want to get back to read more Pynchon, but not until the time is right. <laughs> well, that's yeah. the. I don't know. That's sort of the whole ethos of this this thing, right? It's it's sync, right? So we have to we have to make those sort of jumps all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, who, I'm gonna read who, are the, who are the reader guys? Are you talking about? Oh, uh, so like, uh, you know, the, there was the Gassians. Talk oh, to, oh, okay. You, you know, like those guys, or right. uh, Stephen Moore, the mm-hmm. who was the. He wrote the book on Gaddis. Right. There was there was another guy I talked to. It just seems like maybe they're more left-brained in their like their analytical types. Like you right. know, if you're going to explore something, you're going to explore it correctly. You're not going to like just move randomly through the forest, and see what <laughs> you bump into. Like you'll you'll map it. You'll map it. You know. But we yeah, we kind of map it in a weird way. It's sort of a it's it's sort of a what it, like a psychogeography that we're following or something. It's, yeah, it, yeah, holistic, uh, intuitive, intuitive. <laughs> <laughs> like we get to where we need to be, but it's it's done in uh, it's done with our hearts and not our minds. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's the anarchist miracle, okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay, Alex, uh, we'll, we'll hear from okay. you. Yeah, all right. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna. Read. It's this is the end of chapter 35. Uh, what what page? 360 and 361. Okay, I'll read a few paragraphs here. Uh, Grot. Grote, one of the farmers whose land adjoins the Redzingers, has long coveted their farm, and furthermore believes that both farms are located in Maryland. 
Under Maryland law, he knows he may get a warrant to resurvey his land and in the process include any vacant land it happens to adjoin. The property line will be allowed to stretch about and engross it. By virtue of the resurvey, it will become his. Many were the elephantine tracks swallowed at one nibble in those times by the country mice thereabouts. Land defined as vacant includes land once settled, but now in a sheet, meaning gone back to the proprietor, usually for non-payment of taxes. Louise has been paying the quit rents to Pennsylvania, but Grote, contending that she dwells in Maryland and owes more back taxes there than she can ever pay, believes the land is escheatable. I am no attorney, I try to console her, but his case sounds doubtful. If he goes ahead, warns Mr. Edgewise, obtains a warrant, pays the caution money, has title, then it's his, if no one can prove the land isn't escheatable. All now fall to arguing about land jobbery, the discussion growing at times spirited and personal. Everyone in the coach, it seems, has suddenly become a Philadelphia lawyer. Why, Mrs. Edgewise demands to know, must this subject rouse quite so much passion? The purveyor of delusion confers upon his wife a certain expression or twist of fizz, I dare say as old as holy scripture, a lengthy range of sentiment, all compressed into a single melancholic swing of the eyes. From some personal stowage, he produces another flask, containing not the spruce beer ubiquitous in these parts, but that favored stupefacient of the jumped-up tradesman French claret, and without offering it to anyone else, including his wife, begins to drink. It goes back, he might have begun, to the second day of creation, when God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, thus the first boundary line. All else after that, in all history, is but subdivision. What machine is it, young Cherry Coke, later bade himself good night, that bears us along so relentlessly? We go rattling through another day, another year, as through an empty town without a name in the midnight. We have but memories of some pause at the pleasure spas of our younger day, the maidens, the cards, the claret. We seek to extend our stay, but now a silent functionary in dark livery indicates it is time to reboard the coach and resume the journey. Long before the destination, moreover, shall this machine come abruptly to a stop, gathered dense with fear, Shall we open the door to confer with the driver, to discover that there is no driver, no horses, only the machine fading as we stand in a prairie of desperate immensity? I'm Jeremiah Dixon. Yeah, I'm a Geordie boy. Glass of wine with you, sir, and the ladies I enjoy. Old Durham and Northumberland. Is measured up by my own. It was my fate from birth to make my mark upon the earth. He calls me Charlie Mason, stargazer of the Seems that I was born when a chart the evening sky. Cut me out for bacon bread But I had other dreams instead This baker's boy from the West Country Joined the Royal Society We 
Thank you. 